This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, founder of Exodus 90, Nathaniel Benversi, talks about this ministry for men. What does Exodus 90 consist of? What are the fruits of participating in Exodus 90? Well, let's find out. Nathaniel is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Toman. Nathaniel Benverzee, did I say that right? That's right. Okay, yeah, I uh, I will admit I wasn't trained the best in phonics when I was younger, so if I blister last names, again, I sincerely apologize. I will get better with that, but Nathaniel ben, uh, Benverzee is... Th- is with Exodus ninety. You are you're the director, right? The director, director of content. Content, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and our talk is Exodus ninety. Why prayer, fraternity, and aestheticism is necessary to be a good man. I'm gonna like this talk. <laughs> so Nathaniel Benfersi serves as the director of mission of Exodus ninety. He lives in Fort Wade, Indiana, with his wife Sherry and their daughter um, Lucia. Nathaniel, thanks for coming on board. Hey, thank you. Absolutely. It's good yeah. to be here. And yeah. in fact, that bio, man, I'm, my wife must have had a baby recently. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we have a second one, Anna Sophia, as well. Wonderful. So, yeah. God bless you. That's wonderful. That is awesome. And I'm really looking forward to this talk because obviously we'll learn we'll know more about Exodus 90, but there's also just stuff in here about, you know, becoming a man that, that, that you're going to share, too, that's very useful. And so, could you describe what Exodus 90 is for our listening audience? Yeah, Exodus 90 is a 90-day spiritual exercise based on prayer, asceticism, and fraternity, and it's for men in particular. So prayer, of course, we have these disciplines that you go through for 90 days that regard prayer. They're very specific, and you take them up. And then asceticism, which asceticism is acts of self-denial. So there's a list of things that you need to take up of these acts of self-denial that you do as a fraternity together for these 90 days. And then there's the fraternity component. So you're with five to seven other men in your local area, and you are meeting every single week. And in one, in one of those men, you are checking in with each day for that extra you know, push, accountability, and uh, affirmation, if you will, as you continue to go through. So you live this life of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity for 90 days, accompanied by a scripture reading every single day through the book of Exodus, hence the name, Exodus 90. Wonderful. Yep, and then a little bit of a reflection each day, which helps you not only understand what's happening in the scripture, but also serves as that spiritual guide. Because when we do something intense as men or or men or women, and it's different and new for us, it's important to have a spiritual guide of some sort. So we're not just like leading ourselves into pride or leading ourselves into despair with successes or failures. So that's uh, Exodus 90 overall. No, absolutely. So so a couple couple of things here to kind of expand on that. Um, Why the book of Exodus? I mean, I'm glad you didn't choose like Deuteronomy or something, you know, (laughs) but like, or or Leviticus, but why, why, why did you, why, how did it come about that Exodus became the, the primary, if you will, maybe, you know, scriptural passage to reflect on as part as part of this program. Certainly, we don't see how enslaved we are as human beings. If we stop to think about it, if we stop to try to put down our phone for two days straight, or we stopped checking our emails, or we stopped, you know, watching sports for even just two days, we'd realize, wow, uh, I didn't know how attached I was to these things, or eating, or drinking, or whatever it might be. So, if we're enslaved, well, so were the people of Israel, and they didn't know it. They were a strong nation, as it says right in that first chapter of Exodus, and yet they were enslaved by Pharaoh. And he was worried about them because of their great strength. Well, we have great strength, too, as baptized Christians, but we don't know it. 
and yet sure. we, we surrender or forfeit that strength and grace of God for slavery to the things of this world. Sure. And so the book of Exodus helps us to understand that and to see that and to realize that we are the people of Israel still back in Egypt, if you will, right? Yeah. And so we walk with the, the Israelite people as they both realize their enslavement and as they realize who God is and how much God really wants them to be free. We realize that for ourselves. But then we also see in the desert, okay, I mean, you know the story well enough, George, right? Like these people are, they're in the desert and they're, God has already set them free with, and did all these plagues to set them free, led them through the, the Red Sea. Really beautiful. The scoreboard's really ticking in favor of God here compared to, yeah. you know, the, the Egyptians. And yet they get to the desert and they're just like, what'd you, what'd you do, Moses? Lead us out here to die? Like you just want us to, well, there's no even good food. Oh, okay, well, here's some, here's some rocks. We'll turn those into to bread and here, or, or at the, yeah. the water come from the from the rock and 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 uh, manna from the dew from the from the heavens right and god just continues to do this all this stuff for these people and yet in chapter 32 of exodus after all these awesome things well they worship a golden calf yeah they choose they they want to go back to slavery they explicitly say that we want to go back to what it was Mm -hmm. and again the golden calf being its prime manifestation of that of kind of that that desire, and and I and I and I want to quickly say too, Nathaniel, that's a great image because we can. I mean, if you see Exodus in its totality, so if you if you read it, maybe not so much for quote unquote theological significance, so going through the plagues and all the other little things, which that's all important. But if you just look at it from the sense of the human condition, this is why you know posing the question as I did because I kind of see where you're getting at here. Exodus is a great way to show from the sense of when you were bonded in slavery to then what it takes to be free. But also to know the human interactions that you're naturally going to have, probably, on that you probably want to go back to that slavery. You probably want to go back to those old temptations or whatever the case may be. Just like the, you know, we, we always like to make fun of the Israelites. Like, oh, yeah, look at them. You know, they couldn't figure it out. You know, the, the famous loop, God blesses them. They're happy. Oh, God didn't do enough. They go to sin. God punishes them. Then they go into lamentations and go, oh, my gosh, you know, Lord, I'm so sorry, yada, yada, yada. God blesses them, and the cycle goes. Oh, gosh, they were weak. I'm sorry. No, that's us. And when was Exodus 90 started? Well, 2013 it started. So it was relatively new ministry. It is, and that's only when it started in the seminaries. That wasn't even when it was a public ministry. So we're only really in year six of our public ministry, if you will, uh, because a priest that started this just with some men who are like, okay, these are the seminarians. These are supposed to be the holy guys. But these guys are, were addicted to the things of this world as well and attached to these things. Wow. So he started walking with them as a formator in the seminary saying, okay, we're going to do this together. We're going to live a life of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity, the Christian life, intentionally together. And they became far more free in that year, and it worked really well. So he did it again the next year and the next year. And then finally, he's was like, wow, if these seminarians have this problem where they can't hear God clearly because the things of this world are in their way from hearing him, what about laymen? who have to, are supposed to be spiritual leaders of their families, who are supposed to be hearing God clearly so that they can lead their family, not like a boat into an iceberg, but actually to the promised land. Yeah. Amen. So he uh, turned it over to my, my teammate, James Baxter, and said, hey, you got to start this and bring this to laymen. And here we are today. Wonderful. Later. No wonder. You already mentioned a little bit, but what are the three pillars of Exodus 90? And maybe more importantly, why are those the pillars? Prayer, asceticism, and fraternity are the pillars, as, as mentioned, but why? Well, this is simply the pillars of the Christian life. So a lot of guys, they'll look at Exodus 90 or any of our other Exodus spiritual exercises, because we have a number of other ones also, and they'll be like, well, 
I don't really want to do this asceticism thing. I'll do the prayer and I'll do the fraternity. Or they'll say, I'll do the prayer and I'll do the asceticism because I'm a tough guy, quote unquote. Okay. <laughs> but I, won't, I don't need the fraternity. I don't need other people. And no matter which one you leave out of those three, you're not living the fullness of the Christian life without it. Because simply God has called us as Christians to live all three of these things all year round. Not just during Lent with the asceticism, but all year round. And we see this in the Old Testament a number of times. We can see prayer, of course, in the Old Testament. We see asceticism all the way, all the way back to Cain and Abel making their offerings before the Lord. And that's before any laws were set in place. They see God as so good that we need to make a sacrifice to him because he's worthy of absolutely everything. And we see it, of course, then with the Levitical laws and things like this, the Mosaic law. Great. We see it certainly through there that these ascetic practices help us remember who God is and who we are and our need to detach from the things of this world. And then, of course, the fraternity. We see the family of Israel. We see them bonded together and their need for each other and their need for that exclusivity as well to say, like, okay, marry, marry people from Israel. Don't marry these other people who are going to lead you to sin. As in, you got to have good friends. you got to have a good family. Yes. And you got to lead them to Jesus Christ and let them lead you as well. I'm, I'm sorry, but if you're not leaving, leading that good life, man, i got to surround myself with good people first so then I can go, if you will, to those other people and help lead them to back to God. And then, of course, so that's the Old Testament. You might say, like, all right, well, I don't live in an Old Testament world anymore, Nathaniel. Like, what are you trying to say? Yeah. Jesus came and, like, it's yeah, a new law, right. new law. Yeah. Well, God thought this was so important, this life of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity was so important, not only did he tell us about it in the Old Testament, he then told us about it in the New Testament, but not just with words. He literally became incarnate to model the life for us. Amen. Jesus yeah. lived all three of these things and desires us so much to honor and serve God by living these three as well. Nathaniel, with Exodus 90, what is this designed to teach men? What is it designed to do primarily there? Certainly it teaches the Christian life, right? It teaches us anew by actually causing us to be immersed into it. So it's, it's different than, say, like a Bible study or some other type of men's group where, and nothing against these, right? But you can check in and check out of those, and we all know it. Like, okay, I'll commit to this because I'll just go on Wednesday night, I'll do my little Bible study thing, and I'll go home and live my life the rest of the week, okay? And then maybe I'll do it again next week if I feel like it. That's, Exodus doesn't work that way, and the Christian life doesn't work that way. We must be immersed into it. We must be living it at all times. Even if we fail, okay, that's all right. Like, we fail, well, then what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to that? And Exodus teaches you that because you might leave your fraternity meeting, but you have not left the disciplines of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. That is, you haven't left the Christian life. You can't check in and check out. So it certainly teaches us that in terms of, like, what is it teaching? But what is it giving? Well, what does the Christian life give us? Absolute freedom gives us freedom, yes, yes, from the things of this world, but freedom beyond what we, what we would ever know. Freedom to be the men that we need to be, to be the husbands we need to be, to be the fathers we need to be. It's giving us this gift because it is doing this very thing. It's disposing us to the grace that God wants to give us or is trying to give us. Absolutely. But as men, we're rejecting the grace that he's trying to give us yeah. because we're not able to hear it. We're not able to see it. We're not able to feel it. When you start developing a daily prayer life and when you, comp- and when you combine that, with detaching yourself from the things of this world and holding yourself accountable with the fraternity, you're going to learn who God is. You're going to build that relationship with him. And now when he's pounding on your door saying, <laughs> look, you're, you're, you're getting frustrated with your children. You're getting frustrated with your wife. He is knocking right there, trying to give you grace. And instead of like before denying that grace, because you just can't hear it. You're like, okay, this is, I'm about to suffer by what I'm about to do with my wife and my children. They're, they're going to cause me to suffer. 
but God's going to give me the grace to do that for their good, for their sanctity and my own. And I'm going to lay down my life for my wife and my children right now. We got, I'm sure we got single men, husbands, fathers all listening in, or we'll be listening in. Is this made better for any of those different vo- you know, vocations or states of life? And why would men want to participate? Yeah, so because it's just the Christian life itself, it's made for, for any man's state in his life. But by no means is this made for every man at every point in his life, though. I don't mean to say that, right? So if you're not in a spiritual place to, to take this up and you don't have good brothers to take it up with, well, you could find good brothers and you could get yourself in a spiritual state, which is good. You need to find good brothers either way, right? However, I mean, there's just some times where you might check with your wife and your wife's just like, look, this is not the time for this. And it's important for you to check with your wife and to see if that is the case. And if she's not on board, well, either either you need to get her on board or it's not the time. So just don't do this right now and do it at a different time, right? And that's fine, too. To, it, this is supposed to be at the service of your Christian life, which means if you're married, it's at the service of your family. It's not just about you as a man. However, single men, absolutely. I mean, there's so many men who use this as discernment in terms of whether they're discerning the priesthood or single, um, uh, the married life, if you will, sorry. Uh, Or there's men who certainly, and I hear the story over and over, yeah, I'm I'm getting engaged or I am engaged. I'm using this as as part of my marriage prep because I want to prepare myself to be the best man possible for my fiance. Yeah, let me set up what some of the specifics are of Exodus 90 so that people can understand what I'm about to say when, when you're talking about their possible failure at it. Because some guys might be listening, they'd be like, what do you mean failure? Like, I could do this. Like, it's just something, you know, whatever, I could do this. Well, let's talk about what the specifics are. Okay, so prayer first. For the prayer aspect, you read your daily scripture that is provided for you right in our mobile app, the Exodus 90 app, and you read the reflection that goes along with that. In addition, you're called to do a holy hour every day to pray for 30 minutes every day. And if you can't do a thirty, or sorry, a full hour every day, I'm not sure how I said thirty minutes after an hour, but <laughs> getting hey. ahead of yourself, getting ahead of yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. So if you can't pray the full hour, you do as much as you can on that day. And for whatever reason, let's say some something comes up that day, you just can't do uh, a full hour. Well, okay, you need to minimum twenty minutes of silent prayer, undistracted, not the rosary, not the liturgy of the hours, not some other act of popular piety. Those are really awesome, good, and powerful tools, but. Our relationship with God is first and foremost and primary, and so we need to learn how to speak with Him and listen to Him. So we take that minimum of 20 minutes of silent prayer every single day. So that's your your prayer elements there, and of course then you pray for your brothers, and you pray for all Exodus men around the world, at least one Our Father for them. Moving from there, you have the ascetic disciplines, and the ascetic disciplines, it's kind of a long list, so allow me to to pull pull it up here for you. No, please do. Yeah, so here we go. Practice regular intense exercise three days a week. Now, that's, of course, dependent on who you are and what's regular and intense for you. But regular intense exercise three days a week. Get a full night's sleep at least seven hours, minimum of seven hours. So that's a, that's a good thing. You don't want to be tired and angry while you're hungry if you're fasting, right? Abstain from alcohol for all 90 days. Abstain for desserts and sweets. Abstain from eating between meals. This is for all 90 days. Abstain from soda and sweet drinks. You can have white milk. You can have black coffee or black tea. Those are permissible. Uh, but black. Abstain from television, movies, televised sports. Abstain from televised sports for 90 days. Abstain from video games. Abstain from non-essential material purchases. Only listen to music that lifts your soul to God. Only use the computer 
for work, school, or essential tasks like paying the bills. Only use your mobile device for essential communication and cut out non-essential texting, app, and internet use on your mobile phone. And take Wednesdays and Fridays as days of fasting. So these, this is the only like real intense food fast, and it's not even that much. It's just what the church asks on, on uh, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, where you have two small meals and a large meal, and no meat on those days. But that's every Wednesday and every Friday. Oh, and take cold showers for 90 days. <laughs> so this is this is the ascetic disciplines. And as, as you might see, like, wow, this is really spread out. It's kind of a lot. It's kind of overwhelming. Yeah, we're, I'm going to answer your question and get into that. I'll, I'll say first, though, this is spread out so that as men, when we're struggling with one thing, we don't turn from that one thing to something else unless that something else is God. Like, this is supposed to turn us like, well, I can't, I'm, can't, I'm struggling with alcohol, maybe I'll turn to food, or I'm struggling with food, I'll turn to Netflix, or something like this. Like, no, we got to turn to God, right? And then the fraternity aspects, as sort of alluded to earlier, you meet with your fraternity every single week, you check in with the, your one person who's considered your anchor uh, every single day. So that's the prayer, the asceticism, and the fraternity. Now, you ask about guys who, who might think, well, what if I can't do this? Yeah, that's, that's real. Let me say this, right, George? Every time we go into Lent and we're called to, to take up a life of, of prayer, a life of penance and almsgiving, ask yourself this question. Have I set myself up to choose prayer, almsgiving, and penance that I can accomplish? Or have I set myself up to, to do something that stretches me that I can't personally accomplish without God? If we choose the first, then it's like, okay, what relationship do you have with God the Father? Do you see yourself as a child of God, or do you see yourself as a slave before the master who has to prove himself? And this is huge. Most of us, whether we know it or not, we see ourselves as, as slaves before the Father, where we have to prove ourselves to God. Yes. yes. So, we, so we choose penances that we can accomplish. That way, at the end of Lent, we get to Easter and like, okay, God, this is what I did for you. I accomplished it. I, okay, I missed those two days. Well, it was St. Patrick's Day in there, so I had a beer or whatever. Like, okay. <laughs> but God, I did pretty good. I did pretty good. And we're trying to prove ourselves before God. That's just, that's not who we are. And that's not who God wants us to be and not how he wants to treat us. He wants to treat us as his sons. So, with that said, our, our penances should be beyond our ability. That way, we don't say to ourselves, I need to be a man. I need to be able to accomplish this. This is a challenge for me to overcome. No. This is a challenge for you to not overcome. This is a challenge to put you on your knees. This is a challenge for you to humble yourself before the Lord and see how much he can do for you. Because he can do so much more for you and so much more for your family if you just let him. <laughs> exactly, yes. So, yes. this should be hard. This should be not accomplishable. Every man should fail. I've done Exodus five times. I failed all five times. <laughs> right? And by fail, I mean, like, I haven't done it perfectly. I've had to get on my knees before the Lord and be like, okay, like, yeah. I didn't do that excellently. I didn't do that perfectly. Help me the next day. Help me the next day. That's how we learn to be men. We need to take a break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about Exodus 90 with Nathaniel Benversi. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One body. Exodus 90. One body, stewarding God's creation. 
with Nathaniel Benversi, George Toman conducts the interview. Again, talking to Nathaniel Benversi here for Exodus 90. Good talk so far. I'm dorking out and just connecting all the spiritual elements, and so I know maybe practically we're not, I'm not getting to the core here. But let's go this way, Nathaniel. Why should husbands and fathers give this program a try? Because they love their spouses and their children. That's the main answer. You know, it's like you look at, you look at your, this is why we have so many married men do it. Certainly we have tons of college students do it and young men do it. There's no doubt about it. But our majority is married men. And I think it's because you see the failures that you have as a man in the faces of your, your wife and your children. And when you're a single man, you can like, okay, yeah, so I screwed up at a party or I screwed up in the classroom or I screwed up with friends, but you leave them and you go home. And if you don't want to look in the mirror, you don't have to, right? But as a married man, your wife is right there. And when you screw up, you see it on her face. And when you, when you, you know, when you harm your children in whatever way, physically, mentally, whatever, you see it on their faces. And that's tough. And we need to love our wife and we need to love our children, right? So what are we willing to sacrifice for our wife and our children? Are we willing to have two minutes of discomfort in a cold shower for our wife and our children? Are we willing to give up alcohol for 90 days for our wife and our children? Are we willing to meet with other men that are going to hold us accountable to things that we don't really want to do for 90 days or for the rest of our life because that is the Christian life? Are we willing to do that? Or is our wife and our children worth that? I mean, just think about the opposite. The opposite is to say, no, they're not. My wife and my children are not worth me making these sacrifices for their souls, for their sanctity, for me to be a better husband and a better father. I don't think any of us would really say that. No matter how uncomfortable living the Christian life is, very few of us, thanks be to God, would actually say, especially to the face of our wife and our children, you're not worth it. You're not worth my suffering. So we know it deep down. We know that they are worth living the fullness of the Christian life for. That doesn't make it easier, right? Not Exodus 90, not the rest of the Christian life. If we really wanted to live it, it is hard. Thankfully, we have our wife and our children to motivate us because they are worth it. They are worth changing our life over. They are worth the slight discomforts because heaven is totally worth it for those children, for our wife, and for ourselves. Nathaniel, again, what are some success stories you like to share about men who participated in Exodus 90? Yeah, so certainly we hear over and over and over thank yous for, for freedom. The men who say, like, I didn't even know that I struggled with watching TV so much, that I was so attached to sports, or that I was so attached to my phone, even around my children. And so they call in and tell us, or they write in and tell us, like, man, I was really ignoring my children and their presence, or I would bring work home from work. I'd come home from work, I'd still be at work, right? And they, they didn't even see it. They were blind to it because they thought they were, quote, unquote, serving their family. Like, they're being great at work and whatever. And, like, my family needs me to serve them. And I'm serving them. They should appreciate me for serving them. I work so hard. I work 50 hours a week or more. When really our children just want us. And the men realize that. And they just they, they receive that gift. The ones that I like the most, George, are actually the, the wives that write in. And, and I mean, it moves me so much and it makes me just love my work going into work every day because they write in and they say, thank you for giving me my husband back or thank you for giving my children their father back. And I'm, I'm getting choked <laughs> up right now. Man. It's just it's just such a gift to be able to 
to serve the family, to serve that domestic church like that. So those are huge things. And one that one that motivated me or, or moved me very much more recently was a very interesting story. And I hope we never get one exactly like it by any means again. Uh, but it's a powerful story. There's this gentleman who wrote in um, and said, hey, I was going through Exodus 90 with my fraternity. And uh, one of my fraternity brothers, he, he's this is they're living in the United States, but his uh, family was from Mexico and his parents got COVID. And so he went down to Mexico to take care of his fam, to take care of his parents. Now this is a man who who has five children here in the United States and a wife, right? But he went down to to serve his his parents for a little while. Well, uh, this man who was about two thirds of the way through Exodus 90, he died in Mexico. Uh, and his his fraternity brother wrote in and just said, I don't I don't know why I'm writing in. I'm just letting you know. Please pray for him. He's a really great man. And then we get get word from his wife later on. Man, it's just it's just a crazy story. And his wife is just like, thank you. Thank you for giving my husband Exodus 90. You have prepared him to die. That's that's just crazy. You know, it's like, oh, man, like this wife saw her husband change so much in just 60 of the 90 days that he was prepared to serve his family, to serve his parents, to leave behind his wife and his children. But she she could have said so many negative things. But she wrote in to tell us that, that she was grateful that her husband could be in heaven now because he lived a life of prayer, set us in fraternity in his last days. You know, <laughs> you better take the mic because I'm like, no, 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 it's, you know, it's good. It's good. They're big. And again, folks, you know, one of the one of the beautiful things about, you know, um, about stuff like this is, is, is this this is why we do what we do, you know, like someone someone might argue and say, you know, again, this just sounds like a lot of technical stuff. Why do I have to do it? And again, go back to the principles here, the the, the pillars, the prayer, fraternity, and aestheticism. Like aestheticism, the the whole idea here is that we're just trying to live our Christian life to its fullest. And unfortunately, we haven't. You know, there is good literature out there and good programs, but unfortunately, sometimes they're hard to find and those and those kind of things. What Nathaniel just brought out in that very personal side, which I'm so glad that you did share, we are aiming for eternal life at the end of the day. That is our destiny through our baptism that God desires us to seek over and over and over again. Once we are given that commission by him, especially through confirmation, our our goal is heaven and to bring whoever else we can with us. The very fact that we can do these things and to have people be able to relate and say, you you without a doubt help my person be help my family member, my husband in this case, be able to get to the pearly gates, and I'm confident to know that they're a lot better in terms of God now than they were previously. Folks, that's our vocation story in a nutshell. That's what we hope others say, regardless of what we do. Obviously, Nathaniel here <laughs> has a job explicitly geared towards this. But again, this is for, I will extend this, this is for every, anyone. Your interactions, your, you know, your love life, whatever the case may be, should be a reflection of that of heaven. And if they can be able to look at you, and the memory is, thank you so much for being able to help my spouse be able to go honestly to the Lord compared to what it was previously where it may not have been the case, that is huge. And again, as it brings a man to tears, it's, also, it's, it's more so for of joy and of consolation that this is true for you that's leading to, to the gospel. What other stories would you like to share with us, if you could, on the impact of this program and what it's meant? And, and I will even also include in your own life, if you would, how this has impacted you, and not only 
not only doing it, but also the ministry and how it's impacted you spiritually. Yeah, I'd be happy to share one one personal story, especially of my first time ever doing Exodus 90. And, and uh, the gal next door right over here asked me to talk about suffering and the importance of that, too. So we can get into that after, afterwards. Yes. So here we go. The personal story, I remember the first time I did Exodus 90, and I'm going through these disciplines. I was a focused missionary at the time at uh, Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. And as I was a focused missionary, married, had a child, I was going through Exodus. I didn't drink very often, very rarely, in fact, because I was on a fundraise budget and alcohol cost money. <laughs> and most of the students I worked with were underage anyway, so no need to spend money on alcohol. Great. Okay, so I'm going through this, and I have to, quote, unquote, give up alcohol for 90 days. No big deal. I probably haven't drank a beer in 90 days, so we're probably okay anyway. And I get into it, and about 30 days in, I start like, oh, man, I really want a beer tonight. Well, I can't have one. Well, that stinks. Okay, next night, same thing. It's like, well, like, what's going on? And it keeps, keeps going on. Now I'm getting frustrated. Like, I can't have a beer? Why? I should be able to have one. I don't struggle with alcohol. I can should have a beer whenever I want. <laughs> and then I started to realize I'm attached to self-control. And I was getting frustrated not because I wanted a beer, but because I couldn't have one. I could, quote unquote, make that decision for myself because I had put myself under the obedience or the discipline, if you will, of this exercise for the glory of God. But that means not for the glory of me. That means I can't make this decision on my own. So it was very interesting to go through this and realize how, it, how much I struggled with self-control and needing to be in control all the time. And this was just a little instance that this large spread, this large array of disciplines that some I would have said, yep, I need that discipline. And others I would have said, like alcohol, I don't even need that discipline. Maybe I won't follow that one because I don't need it anyway. No, I had to follow it to learn what I was really dealing with. And it wasn't alcohol, but self-control. So the, the, certainly the disciplines can reveal things to us that the Lord wants us to know about ourselves that we just are, are blind to. Absolutely. No, no, very, very beautiful there. Very beautiful there. With Exodus 90, what happens on day 91? Great question. <laughs> yeah, so fraternity is something, of course, that, that I've mentioned that we need all the time. It's just part of the Christian life. We're not made to be alone. We're made to be connected with other people and holding each other accountable and encouraging each other. Great. Well, asceticism and, and prayer, as mentioned, also. The Christian life is supposed to be all the time. So what do we do on day 91? Uh, well, the temptation is to say, peace. See you later. That was great. Got to the finish line. I feel much better now. I'm far more free now. So I don't need you anymore. Well, you could imagine, George, how that person feels about 30 days later. Certainly a year later. When they've started to spiral slowly but surely back into the very life that they uh, had lived before Exodus 90. And many people do Exodus 90 more than once. Why? Because of that experience. Because they loved the man that they were, the man that was on fire and was living as he should have at, on day 90. And they don't like the man a year later if they've chosen not to do prayer, asceticism, and fraternity regularly in their life. So day 91, we certainly encourage men, whatever you can do, you've you got to keep these things up. And not, it's not like we're telling you to. As I mentioned before, Scripture's telling you to. Christ lived it. Like, you just got to do these things. Okay. Well, that wasn't quite enough to just tell people that. We needed to help them out. And so we've created Day 91, which is 20 spiritual exercises. So Exodus 90 is one spiritual exercise of 90 days long. And there's 20 others that we created to take men from that time of celebration on Easter, if, if you finished Exodus on Easter or whenever you finish Exodus, because you can do it any time of the year. 
Most of our men do it up to Easter, but certainly any time. Today is a great day to start. So is next week, Monday. All right. Anyway, so you start Reflection Oasis, our first of the 20 exercises afterwards, and you learn how to feast properly because you need a little, little bit of repose. But in the midst of learning how to feast properly, you also learn how to feast with asceticism still in your life. Because even in the Easter season, Easter season, we still need a life of asceticism. Yes. Joyful, rejoicing, festive. But how many Franciscan friars do you know that toss out the habit and sit down and watch sports for all day during the <laughs> Easter season, right? Like, they don't. They still certainly, in a festive manner, have their, their disciplines, their habits, their, their rule of life that they follow. Because we're still human. All right. So day 91, 20 exercises. Most of them range about 30 days long. They have a different list of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. None of them are, are as hard as Exodus 90. Exodus 90 is that time of purification. Day 91 is a time of formation. So for five exercises, kind of divide 20 by, by four. Five exercises are on human formation. Five are on spiritual formation. Five on intellectual and five on apostolic formation. It would take men to go through Exodus 90 and these day 91 exercises on average three years to do. That's a lot. That's the amount of time the apostles were with Christ in their formation. And still some fell away. That's right. At least one. So this is it's formation takes time. It takes effort. It's slow. And so we have this for that reason so that men can stay together. They can change up their disciplines so that they're not always giving up alcohol. They're not always giving up sweets or something like this. Those disciplines are given to you, but they change with every exercise. And you walk through the books of salvation history, which a lot of the Old Testament, we just don't know very well. true. Great. Most of these 20 exercises are the Old Testament. Let's learn why they exist, what the Lord's trying to tell us in it, and why Jesus came because of what happened in this Old Testament. So you start with Genesis. You walk through at least the, 12, the 14 narrative books of the scripture and a few others as well. So there you go. That's that's day ninety one kind of no wonderful, no wonderful. Yeah, uh, day ninety one is not just crossing the finish line, as you said. It's 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 uh, it's the next step towards towards even something better. You know, yeah. formation and all that. So uh, that's very very beautiful. Nathaniel, if anyone's interested in Exodus ninety, getting more information, where would you turn them? And what would you recommend? Exodus ninety dot com is the website that we have. That's Exodus nine zero dot com. And you can start there, check out what we got going on, and you can make an account there if you'd like. And then you got to find yourself a fraternity. It's on you. If you want to live the Christian life, it's on you to respond to God's grace. And if he wants you to live the Christian life, and he wants you to live the Christian life. So he's going to provide you the grace to do it. It's not on your parish. It's not on your friends. It's on you. Go get your brothers. Make the ask. Bring them into community with you and, and start Exodus 90. Going off script a little bit here, Nathaniel, just because, so you mentioned earlier you were, you were a focus missionary. How long were you a focus missionary? I was a focus missionary for three years. Three years. Okay, you said, so one was in Steubenville, there, you know, in Steubenville, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Was it, that was your only assignment, or did you, where else were you? At? Yeah, so my, my second two years were in, at Franciscan in Steubenville, and then my first one was at the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, Colorado. Gotcha. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and I was actually on a team with Malia Corby, who you probably yep, know. Yep, yep, yep. Hi, Malia, if you're listening. Yep. That's right. Yep. Hayes, American native, right here. I'm actually staying with her this week so it's great to be reunited no wonderful no that's uh, yeah. great no that's great i bring that out just because it is a there is no accident that your current ministry that you're in has a very similar flow in the sense of even your folk you know you took a lot of the same 
focus material I'm kind of embedded in here. You know, you definitely got that zeal in you. You definitely got that kind of brotherly love, if you will, you know, that, that brings that attractiveness to, hey, what is that guy talking about? You know, and be able to go that way. So I'm very happy God has led you here and, and be able to, to go that. Anything else for our listening audience before I let you go, big guy? You know what? Uh, you, just because she asked about the suffering, I've, I'm going to toss this last yeah. part in here for, for any of those who are interested. Okay, suffering. We can see it in t- one of, uh, we have the ability to see it one of two ways. We can use suffering as penance for the remission of our sins, and we can use suffering as uh, offering for others. And I'm talking really about asceticism here, right? These acts of self-denial. So it's not just about beating ourselves up. It's not just about simply becoming free, but doing even more. Because we're Christian, we're part of the body of Christ, we can unite our sufferings to the cross, just as St. Paul says, making up what was lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Okay, well, what was lacking? Well, it's our participation in it as members of that body. So when we make an act of self-denial, say we give up sweet drinks for a week or something like that, we can all choose to do something right now. If we don't do Exodus 90, we, sh- we are still called to asceticism right now. So what are we going to do? So we make a decision. We set out a number of days. We do that penance, that act of suffering for, let's say, that amount of days. And we can do it as penance for the remission of our sins, right? Like, God, I really want to turn myself back to you, not just in mind, not just in words, but in action as well, to rend my heart not just my garments, to do both and have them serve each other. Great. Or you can do it as offering and be like, look, my friend is dying right now from heart failure. This morning, I'm going to take a cold shower, as I did, for his soul, because I know he doesn't know Jesus Christ right now, and I really want him to. So you can do these things, right? You can make not just prayer, but unite your prayer to suffering, just as Christ did. Unite it to the cross. And there's so much power there that most of us don't even know. And we just ignore the power and the gifts that we've been given as Christians. No no time to ignore, <laughs> right? This isn't a practice for a battle. The battle is now go stand outside any abortion clinic and you'll know the battle is right now. And not just a prayer, but of suffering as well, united to Jesus Christ and the cross. So be a Christian, live out prayer, live out asceticism as well, and do so in accountability with your fraternity. Wonderful. Well, Nathaniel, thank you for coming in. Thank you for making yourself available for this. Again, folks, if you want to learn more about Exodus 90, um, was it Exodus90.com? That's right. And be sure to connect there. Again, highly recommended, especially if some of you are stirring. This would be good maybe for my own spouse, maybe my college student, or even just if you're a, a guy and you're like, you know what? Let, let's give this a go and see how it is. Um, you got you got something good coming to you. So, Nathaniel, again, God bless you, big guy. Bless you, wish you the best on the ministry going forward. Again, wish you and the family best moving forward. And, again, thank you so much for coming on. It was great. All right? Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Nathaniel Benverzi here talking about Exodus 90. Really great talk there and very appreciative for him coming on board. Thanks for tuning into One Body Stewarding God's Creation. If you are a business or service that can underwrite this One Body show, please know your 30-second spot will run three times during the show, which runs five times a week on five different stations, all for a mere 150 per month. Interested? Give us a call, 785-621-4110. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.